and Reggie's Cosmic Treadmill episode number 116 where we go back, back to, the, to past the past and read a comic book from the SDR of Publishing. You can find us every Sunday on chrisandreggie.podbean.com or pick us up uh, on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and by touching the tree and yelling Malvolio before the other kids convene you with a Spaldine handball. You ever play mm-hmm. that game, Chris? You like that one? I think I, I think so, yes. That was a classic New York <laughs> uh, soup game. Uh, we're in part three, uh, looking at Action Comics Weekly, but specifically the uh, Green Lantern stories starring Hal Jordan. Uh, this uh, The full run would have been through Action Comics Weekly, 601 to 642. Today we'll be covering issues 624 to 635, and I think this gets us into 1989. Finally, it right. does, yes. So now I do believe so. We have turned a year going into, <laughs> we going have. into this now. <laughs> and uh, to start off our recap here, uh, we're not going to go into the particulars of Action Comics and Hal. So uh, right. <laughs> if you want to check out the last two episodes of the show, you can get all the lead-in to Action Comics becoming a weekly book and Hal Jordan becoming the star or the feature uh, of Action Comics Weekly. But we will update you on everything that's happened Action Comics Weekly 100, I'm sorry, 601 through 623, plus the Green Lantern special number one. One of the first things to happen was Cat Matui died. In uh, Action Comics Weekly 601, that is the first weekly issue, Hal and Aresia are crashing at John and Catma's apartment. The Star Sapphire would visit while Hal was out stealing African diamonds and uh, uh, murder Cat Matui. Uh, he borrowed, uh, would lead he to borrowed a those between... diamonds, Chris. <laughs> it was a loan. Yeah. Uh, he, this would lead to a, a fight in the sky between Hal and Carol, during which an F-14 would crash land. John Stewart, being the only public Green Lantern, gets himself hauled in front of a Senate committee. And during his trial, it was made to appear as though he killed Carol Ferris. And he's arrested. Uh, then we went over to kind of the next arc, which we're, we're calling Oprah and Mind Games. Now, in light of John's arrest, people grew to fear the Green Lantern, meaning also Hal Jordan. Prompted by Aresia, Hal would appear on the Oprah Winfrey show to do some damage control. This leads to him learning that his power ring altered his mind by removing his capacity for fear. Ooh, during this arc, he'd face off with a villain called Mind Games, who would turn random Chicagoans into maniacs to get what he until he get. To get what he wants. Uh, during their final confrontation, Hal was forced to face all of his troubled emotions. He went inside of his ring and everything. Mm-hmm. Now, while they were in Chicago, Aresia became a model. And one of her earliest gigs was, as a, was at a tech expo, which was hijacked by a group of very geeky villains called The Freak Show. They worked for a shadowy woman that Hal almost fell for. During this story arc, Hal and Aresia break up. And the statute of limitations clock begins ticking on that uh, particular tick, tick, relationship. Tick, tick, tick. <laughs> yeah. Uh, then we went to a uh, special that was Green Lantern Special One, right? I believe it was called. Yeah. Uh, running alongside this, John Stewart, he's extradited to South Nambia on charges that he was the one who robbed the diamond mine. Uh, that was actually Hal, if you recall. But for some reason, that it's, we live in a world that doesn't see color except for the color of your Green Lantern uniform. That's, the only <laughs> That's thing right. You can see. Uh, John would be beaten by prison guards in hopes that he'd admit his guilt. And uh, South Nambia was an apartheid state. So trotting out a guilty black man would do their government a lot of good. Hal gave John a power ring imbued with half of his own ring's energy. Uh, at first, John... Refuses it, and then he changes his mind after a particularly nasty meeting. He uses it to destroy the prison, and he joins up with a revolutionary named Dorian. But he'd also free another fella named Wills, who would go on to massacre a white family. Oh, well. 
Yeah, it happens. Uh, now, John agreed to spoil a government festival during which a pair of tankers were going to be revealed. Uh, Dorian had bombs planted on these tankers just in case John got a case of the cold feet. John would stop—I'm sorry, Hal would stop John before he can act. And so Dorian's plan B is revealed. And uh, get this, John ain't cool with that. Nope. Uh, we wrap that one up with uh, John and Hal parting company, with John leaving the planet altogether to uh, clear his head. Yeah, he did, a, he did a little poochie, has to go back to his home planet, and that was the end of it. Uh, that was it. And then the most recent thing we read about was the blowed-up battery. Hal's battery explodes, revealing a yellow energy beam leading into space. He follows that beam and winds up meeting an alien named Priest on a war-torn planet. Hal decides to throw in with the good guys, which brings us right up to Action Comics Weekly number 624, November 1, 1988, on sale date. It's called Faith by Owsley and Bright. Uh, And we will give you, we've already done bios, I think, for the last two episodes, so here's an even briefer bio for James (laughs) Owsley than we gave on the last episode. Uh, James Christopher Owsley was born June 30th, 1961, in Hollis, Queens, New York. We know, we now know him as Christopher Priest. He entered comics as an intern at Marvel in 1978 and joined Marvel's editorial staff in 1979. He was the first African-American editor in the comic book industry. Uh, Owsley assisted editor Larry Hama on the Conan titles, and then he made his professional writing debut with issue one of the Falcon miniseries that had four issues that ran from November 1983 to February 1984 cover dates. And then he was made full editor of the Spider-Man comic books from 1985 to 1986. Professional and personal disagreements would eventually lead to his leaving Marvel's editorial. He'd remain on as a freelancer, and he even stayed past Jim Shooter's tenure, but he felt things were a little too tense for him to keep soliciting work there. Uh, His writing tenure on Power Man and Iron Fist would conclude with its final issue, number 125, September 1986 cover date. Now, Priest would have a pair of stints as writer of uh, Green Lantern when the character was exclusive to this very series, and uh, we're in that second arc right now. Right. Uh, We'll hop across the table to Mark Bright. Mark D. or M.D. Doc Bright. He was born in 1955, and he grew up in Montclair, New Jersey. He'd graduate from the Pratt Institute with a Bachelor of Fine Arts degree in 1974. His earliest work was a three-page story in D.C.'s House of Mystery. That was in 1978. His first regular gig was penciling the Falcon Limited series for Marvel. That was, again, November 1983 through February 90, I'm sorry, 1984 cover dates, which, as we just mentioned, was written by Priest. Uh, he would rejoin uh, Jim Owsley slash Priest for the last 11 issues of Power Man and Iron Fist. Those were issues 115 through 125. March 1985 through September 1986 cover dates. And uh, Bright would become rather prolific during this time. He had runs on Iron Man and also this very Green Lantern feature in Action Comics Weekly. Look at that. And these are the only fellas we'll be dealing with this particular episode. So uh, that will dispense with our biographical requirements. Uh, now, with his battery busted and being stranded in an unfamiliar sector, Hal Jordan must relearn to control his ring. Priest helps him with, helps him to do it by uh, blindfolding him and having him navigate an asteroid belt. Sure. Yeah, Hal, go, Hal goes, thanks to you, I've got my ring working perfectly. And then Hal is smashed by an asteroid. <laughs> and Priest says, I almost Hal Jordan. Priest explains that Hal's ring really ought to be able to reprogram itself whenever he changes sectors. Uh, he doesn't know that the central power battery went to hell during Green Lantern Corps number 223 to 224. Yes, Hal, uh, Hal goes ahead and explains that by saying, The battery's gone now, destroyed months ago. Here in your neck of the woods, the ring wouldn't obey any of my commands. Relearning the ring was like learning to walk all over again. It's funny how I've taken this ring for granted never really considering the level of sophistication involved in his programming. That is, until you brought me here. Priest takes responsibility for destroying Hal's personal power battery, but explains that he only did so to impress upon him the urgency of his need. Yes, as Hal and Priest continue their trek, Priest spills some beans. I was once a Green Lantern, Hal Jordan. It was a long time ago, under very different circumstances. I achieved a depth of understanding in the Green Lantern Corps that you may not, at this point, be capable of conceiving. I resigned my commission to pursue a more spiritual calling. Its nature cannot be clearly expressed in terms you comprehend. 
And he explains since he resigned from his uh, position. This sector of space was once patrolled by one of your kind, a Green Lantern. He was a noble being worthy of respect and acclaim. His Green Lantern took far more active role in policing this part of the galaxy than you're accustomed to. He was idolized, almost deified. I didn't know this sector's GL. He was undoubtedly stripped of his power ring along with the others when the battery imploded. You must stand in his place. Now, Hal is confused by this request. After all, without his personal power battery, he won't be able to perform his 24-hour recharge. Priest tries to explain to Hal that the battery isn't even required, because really, Hal should be able to tap directly into the lantern power source himself. Isn't that the, uh, isn't that the battery? Well, you'd think so, but uh, but our man Priest is a little bit more spiritual than that, man. Oh, I see. You gotta you gotta connect with the battery of the whole universe, dude. Uh huh. Uh, whatever the case, uh, Hal is freaked out that his ring could go kaput at any time. It's sort of keeping him alive and things like that. Yes. So. <laughs> uh, Priest produces a, a depowered lantern battery and hands it over. He explains that the power core is hidden in subsector B two, and it's about an hour that away. Several hours later, Hal finally finds it. <laughs> the power core, you could have guessed it, it's a glowing green ball, basically, a green yeah. basketball, yeah. That's it, yeah. Hal thinks to himself, now just what do I do with this? Guess I take the cap off the lantern and just shove it in. Before he can, he's approached by a trio of dreadnoughts. Uh, those were the bad guys we met when they invaded last week, and they attack. Attention, hostile force. I'm the Green Lantern of Space Sector 2814. Who are you, and why are you attacking me? Dreadnought replies, You stand in a war zone, Outfalter. You wear a symbol of our god, and yet you are clearly not he. He would never side with our enemies. Hal thinks to himself, They're god? What do they? And then, just as he fears, Hal's ring goes kaput. Oh, no. Time's up. The ring's charge is expired. My life support shield's fading. I figured it would. I figured... Look! Our enemy falters! They use this as an opening to escape. Why don't they just, why don't they just kill him on the spot? Is, is this your first comic book? Uh, you got a point there. It's true. <laughs> uh, so Hal drags himself over to the power core, all while reciting the Lord's Prayer. Uh, in just the nick of time, he finagles the core into the lantern battery and spouts that classic Green Lantern oath. Later, he returns to Priest and reads him the Riot Act. Well, Priest, you're wrong. The ring and battery are necessary. I almost died because of you. Not true, Hal Jordan. Bull, if I hadn't charged my ring, I'd be dead. You did not charge your ring, for how could you do so without your power battery? What? You believed you were charging your ring, and so doing, tapped directly into the source of your ring's power, when in truth, your battery was here all along. In fact, Priest empties a bag full of lantern parts right onto the ground. <laughs> what is he? Like the guy's just got like junk of lanterns hanging around everywhere. Right. Uh, Priest <laughs> explains that perhaps in a thousand years or so, Hal will understand and finally be ready to discard his physical crutches. Hal says, in about 80 years, I'll be dead. What are you planning on living to be? 115 years old, guy? Come on. At least, right? Yeah. Not likely. Not likely, buddy. <laughs> uh, go right into Action Comics Weekly number 625. That was on sale November 8th, 1988. This one's titled The Law by Owsley and Bright. And we open with a hooded house sitting in an arena surrounded by bulky blue dreadnought aliens and smaller, saggy faced yellow ones. Yes, Hal is narrating, and his caption reads, I am an alien, a stranger in a strange land. For quite some time now, I've waited and watched. I've trained and studied. I've grown. I've waited for the day, this day, that I'm to bring the gospel of peace to a war-torn land. And we now see that this arena is to be home to a peace conference between the different alien races. Little yellow ones try to get the dreadnoughts to sign. Yes, one of the yellow ones is named Janelle, and he goes, Don't be a fool, Hedron. The treaty's fair and valid. Sign it. And the dreadnought there, its name is Hedron, and he takes the glowing pen stick thing and crushes it and says, 
Since when have my people taken orders from the likes of you, Janelle? You proposed, your proposed treaty gives your world a significant strategic advantage. And the yellows pull, pull their pistols on the dreadnoughts. Enough talk of peace, baby. The arrogant fool hears not your words. Your actions speak louder than your treaty's words, Janelle. Peace or death, Hedron. Decide. I choose death. You are death. Snaps, yo. Yeah. Uh, just then, and Hal Jordan springs into action. Uh, he was spouting the oath in between this, so uh, he's ready to go. <laughs> there you go. Uh, now, both, locked, locked he, and loaded. He does that, there we are. He does that a lot here, yes. Yeah. Now, both sides take aim and try to shoot him out of the air. One of the dreadnoughts manages to snag him in a net, which sends him crashing to the arena floor. Hal finagles his way out of the netting before he can be attacked. He is, however, faced with a group of blue robots, and they look like they got, like, boobies for faces. It's very it's true. very strange. Uh, yeah. These are very weird-looking robots. I mean, I guess they don't have to have a humanoid face, but they have, like, a butt or a boob face. I don't really understand yeah. what it's all about. <laughs> so, uh, the, the boobot says, We know not where your allegiance lies, Blasphemer. You are ordered to surrender. Hal's all, screw that, and he literally blows the roof off the place with a boom. And when the dust settles, Hal approaches Hedron and Janelle. All right, you two. Are we going to coexi- coexist amicably? Or are we going to coexist amicably? It's, it's not really giving him much of a choice there, is he? I mean, not we're... really, yeah. Uh, yeah. Can, can, we, can we coexist, like, tentatively? <laughs> is that allowed? Uh, it looks like that does the trick, though, and Hal flies off satisfied with his outing. Yes, back to his narration. He goes, and so the treaty was signed. The war ended. Peace has returned to this sector. I feel like a million bucks. I stopped by to give Priest my thanks for his help. Now I'm just a few space warp calculations away from home. I think that that's what we call in this biz the famous last words. I think so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Back on that planet, it turns out that Janelle and Hedron are actually playing nice and uh, getting along. Yeah, Hedron says. Then it is agreed, Janelle. Under the terms of our newly adopted peace treaty, we shall combine the technology of our respective worlds to create the ultimate weapon. Then shall we use this weapon, Hedron, to kill Green Lantern? Ooh, whoops. Whoops. Yikes. Okay. <laughs> the enemies of our enemies are our uh, right. somethings. Uh, <laughs> that takes us to our next issue, Action Comics Weekly, number 626, on sale November 15th, 1988. It's got a cover of Green Lantern by Paul Chadwick. Story is called Bethel by Owsley and Bright. And we rejoin Hal as he's heading home. Uh, it's taken him nearly a week to get even close. Uh, now, during his final approach to Earth, he sees a portal open up. From that portal emerges a very strange spacecraft that appears to be made out of wood? Yeah, I, I, I didn't know if we would do like, the Joey Gladstone thing there with, uh, with that puppet from Full House. What? What, uh, what, what is that? I even know. <laughs> All I can think of is, oh, no, you're thinking about, yeah, the uh, cut-it-out guy. That's who oh, it is. Yeah, that guy. <laughs> now, Hal thinks to himself, I gotta keep it from smashing into the moon. Now, is this friend or foe? Odd. The ship seems to be made out of wood. Wood? Yeah, he had that whole beaver puppet down. And now I'm remembering <laughs> <The> everything. <ship. laughs> so, yeah, but we already established that. The ship is made of we wood. Did, yeah. We know that. Uh, Hal decides to get a closer look, and he phases inside. Yeah, he thinks to himself, yuck, the ship's full of a thick fluid, sort of like a, like a womb, actually. It's, uh, it's real peaceful in here, serene. I'm not picking up any hostile vibes, although hostile is a relative term. Suddenly, a humanoid creature sort of kind of appears in a blue light and says, Bethel, repair, own hands. From this, Hal somehow deduces that this vessel isn't a ship, but a shrine. I mean, can, can it be both? I don't understand. Uh, it, it's traveling <laughs> through space, so that kind of just makes whatever it is a ship. It got passengers. Uh, let's not pretend. It's got to be right. Let's not pretend it, yeah. it, it isn't that. It's it's a shrine that is a ship. We'll do, do that. Yes. Now Hal thinks to himself, "This alien must, by religious custom, repair it with his own hands before continuing its journey." So Hal knocks. On wood. <laughs> wood, huh? Well, I know there's a lot of that. So Hal delivers the shrine, not a ship now, to a place in Northern <laughs> California that has some really big trees. 
hey, maybe it's Big Trees, California. It probably is that very location there, Chris. <laughs> now, feeling as though he's done his good deed for the day, Hal leaves the alien shrine to repair itself. Uh, what he doesn't account for is that the strange passenger decides to take on his, that is Hal Jordan's, own form. Yeah, the uh, stranger, as Hal Jordan, emerges from the womb-like vessel all covered in that goop that fills the the interior of it. Uh, It hears the roar of a logging truck's engine and follows it to a nearby fill-in station. Yeah, inside, some locals are uh, watching like a Rambo-alike on the TV. Yep, one of the yokels says, What's that on the tube? Much blood part two? That Randy violence flick? Jeez, I hate reruns. Yeah, you just wait, pal. Uh, now, the stranger, as Hal, enters the fill-in station, oblivious to the fact that he's dressed uh, you know, pretty loudly in comparison to all the yokels. Yeah, they don't, really, they don't seem to care about the uh, outfit there. Very weird. Uh, <laughs> what do we have here? Yo, tights. Nice outfit, sailor. And the stranger is too fixated on the television screen to respond. Uh, Bambo, or Lambo, or whoever the hell starred in Much Blood Part 2, is walking away from a exploded gas station. See where this might be headed? Hmm. And also, it's uh, it's Randy Violent who stars in these Much Blood movies. Oh, Randy Randolph Violent? Is that who it is? Randolph. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Randolph classic, J. Violent. Classic of the silver screen mm-hmm. trick. Uh, <laughs> hey, we are trained. Hey, Tinkerbell, I'm talking to you. Now, at this point, the stranger turns around, eyes glowing red. The yokel is quickly vaporized from the waist up. Like, like really, that's all that all that's left of him are his still-standing, panted legs. Yep. It's it's a great little panel. Uh, not that, not Hal then blows up the filling station with a kablam, and he walks away from the flames, physically lugging that logging trailer behind him. Uh, not unlike Randy Violent. That's right. Uh, that brings us to our next issue, which is Action Comics Weekly number 627. That was on shelves November 22nd, 1988. Cover is Nightwing by Gil Kane. Story is called, and now, dot, 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 Captain Adam by Owsley and Bright. Now, just as the title suggests, we open with Captain Adam. Hey. Uh, I, <laughs> and get ready. Uh, he's up in big trees looking for information on the big explosion. As he flies through, he finds that exploded truck stop from last issue. Yeah, he says to himself, This truck stop's been totaled. Looks like someone's nuked it. Seems like a clear to me. You don't say? The the, the exploded (laughs) building in an area where there was a massive explosion? Hmm. That that might be a clue. Put on the old thinking cap for this one, sir. (laughs) He heads deeper into the woods, and uh, we see action star... Or Randy Violent chopping down trees. Wow, what a coincidence. What is going on? He's a renaissance man. He should be renaissance violent. Yeah. Uh, now, this is, of course, our strange visitor taking the guise of a human. That's right. Well, I mean, we think Randy Violent is a human. We know we're not sure, but we're not sure. He's got yeah. a heck of a name. Uh, Captain Adam sees Randy and heads over to question him. Just as quickly as he places his hands on Violent's shoulder, he is sent flying with a crack. He says, Yep. I'll bet he knows something about it. Head over to Los Angeles, where Hal and uh, some guy, maybe John Stewart, are uh, driving on the freeway. Uh, that's not John. That's Chip. That is most definitely not Chip. Chip's a squirrel. This is a guy. No, no, not C-H apostrophe P. This is Chip as in poker or potato. Uh, oh, oh, okay, okay. It actually turns out that Chip's a pretty aggressive driver. Uh, we catch up with them just as he's weaving in and out of traffic. He tells them about the wooden vessel he ran across on his way home, uh, Hal does, and then kind of zones out. He's overcome with... This feeling of peace. Like, like, like when I was inside that alien shrine. It must be trying to contact me. And so he oaths up and flies right out of Chip's car. <laughs> Good thing it was a convertible. I mean, she's right? going to peel back the whole <laughs> roof here. Uh, before we know it, Hal arrives in big trees. Just in time to see Captain Adam get swatted away yet again. I think I've got him on the ropes. Who? He points at Randy Violent and says, him. And in the distance, Hal sees that man, Randy Violent. Well, Green Lantern, what's our move? We don't have a move, Captain Adam. Just sit tight. Oh, 
no, he didn't. Come on now, girl. Uh, Hal approaches Randy Violent. Yeah, he thinks to himself, I'll bet this is my alien friend. And Randy says, hello. Hi. Are you who I think you are? He shakes Hal's hand and says, hello. 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 Hal thinks to himself, this is very unnerving. It's taken on a human form. Well, I, I suppose Randy Varlin is human. Yeah, we wouldn't swear to that either. We kind of, we want no. but yeah, close enough. Yeah. Uh, now, Captain Adam looks on, and he doesn't like what he sees. He thinks to himself, something isn't right here. The ship, the alien never moves more than a few feet away from it. Captain Adam then has the bright idea that Hal is just keeping the alien distracted so that he, Captain Adam, that is, could blow the wooden shrine ship up. I mean, what kind of a leap of logic is that? Why do you, why do you assume that that the ship should be blown up at all? What is going on with you, Captain Adam? Get, pull yourself together. <laughs> it's a ridiculous leap of logic, but it is the one we're going with. <laughs> he, des- he destroys the wooden shrine ship with a boom. Yeah, and he actually says, yeah! <laughs> really? <laughs> what yep. are you celebrating? <laughs> he, really, he really is a, a, a jerk, this one. So, Hal shakes off the explosion. Yeah, and he turns to Captain Adam and goes, what What was that? Quantum belts cranked way up. Ow! Metal! <laughs> that tells me that uh, that old Nate Adam here has never really been asked a rhetorical question before. No, huh? no he doesn't, I don't think he knows what the word rhetorical means. He just uh, thinks it's answerable. Uh, Hal goes to get this slap Adam across the face. Mm-hmm. You're a, real pe- you're a real piece of work, Adam. You ruined everything. You're welcome. Open your eyes, Lantern. Your little space buddy was a menace. He was leaving. Now you've destroyed his shrine. Now you've given him a reason to stay. Ooh, that's, I didn't think about that. Anyway, uh, yeah. move it to Action Comics Weekly number 628. That was on sale November 29th, 1988. Cover is Blackhawk by George Pratt. And this one is titled Heroes by Owlsley and Bright. Now, in Los Angeles, there was an earthquake that appears to have only affected one single building. Yeah, so Newscaster reports, it was approximately 6 o'clock this morning when the building inexplicably sank 15 feet into the ground. Experts are baffled by the incident. As you might imagine now that that building has barely a prayer of staying upright. Yes. Captain Adam and Green Lantern approach the city, and uh, they're still arguing. The alien destroyed an upstate truck stop and tried to kill me, so I took the offensive. When did you start reacting like a maniac? And uh, it, it really just doesn't stop. It keeps going. Did you want me to give the creature your Mother Teresa approach? Then Hal, he <laughs> utters, uh, okay, he says, beat your Matt Dillon routine. Uh, what is a Matt Dillon routine? I, I, should, should we troll his IMDB page and try to decode that? No, no, let's just move on. That's fine. He, okay. he means that, he's a teenage uh, greaser. That's fine. I, I think that'll do it. Yeah, stay gold, <laughs> Hal. Stay right, gold. right. <laughs> uh, now, Hal and Adam arrive at the Los Angeles branch for the Military Intelligence Agency. Captain Adam says, Military Intelligence being a play on words. Oh, no, he didn't. Those classics never die. Oh, boy. Uh, Hal and Adam are still arguing, by the way, the whole time. Yes. Uh, Inside, they're informed about a weird, uh, that weird sinking building in the city, and assuming the alien visitor's behind it, Adam is ordered to kill it. Yeah, Hal goes, kill? You're planning to kill the alien? Right on, Einstein. I'd politely ask you to cease, desist, and make nicey-nice, but I don't think it gloms our lingo. I, I don't know how one would glom a lingo. I don't think I glom uh, his lingo either, so there you go. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Uh, now, and so, Cap heads to the site. Hal follows to try to intervene. Along the way, they both think that the other guy might actually be in the right. So there's a little bit of mm-hmm. internal conflict here. The uh, they arrive atop of... Huh? A little hesitation there, but for... Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. Now, they arrive atop a building within view of that other sinking building. Hal charges his ring, and he heads off to help out any civilians, and he leaves his battery on the rooftop. And, and this will come up later, but why? 
Why? Why <laughs> did he bother? It's not like he was carrying. It's not like he had to wear like a purse the whole time. I mean, just unmanifest it. Shove it in that pocket dimension. Whatever you got to do, just do that. I don't get it. Do it. Yeah. It's almost like it's a case of a Chekhov's power battery or something, right? Or it something, might come right. up again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, Adam questions the wisdom of heading inside the building. After all, there is an alien to hunt down and kill. Some hero this guy's turning out to be. He really seems like kind right? of two-bit Matt Dillon-esque loser, if you ask me. <laughs> uh, Hal takes off and holds the crumbling building up with his ring. Shortly, Captain Adam is seen carrying out civilians. He thinks to himself... Get your brain in gear. This alien threat's got your head all screwed. Messed up your priorities. Of course these people come first. Problem is, GL's won me over, bro. Now, that's not something we usually hear about Hal, right? No, it's no. It's usually, usually like, I hate this guy, get him away from me. Usually it's like, get this blowhard out of my face. But <laughs> the, 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 I guess I guess what a blowhard is, is blowhard does, right? You got <laughs> two you peas go. in a pod right here. Now, Hal overhears a newscaster interviewing the building's chief chief of maintenance. Yeah, the chief says, Die, Sarm! Cheering chunks off the foundation! It was Randy Violent! Ruh-roh. Uh, suddenly, Captain Adam swoops by. Good news, Lantern! I found our favorite Martian. He's the cause of this building sinking. Wait, Adam, we need a plan. We don't need anything. I'm going to go handle Astro Boy, since you can't let go of that building to follow me. Wow, a uh, My Favorite Martian and Astro Boy reference. Uh, our man Nate here must have been really into pop culture before yeah. being put on ice back in 68, right? Like a TV, that's probably where they put him on ice. They were like, enough TV with this guy. He's rotting his mind. <laughs> it's like uh, Martin Tupper and Dream On here. It's uh, Everything's a flashback <laughs> oh, to TV shows. Now there was a callback, boy. Woo. <laughs> uh, now we wrap up this chapter with Hal stuck holding up this building with his power ring while Adam heads inside to pursue the baddie. And that takes us right to Action Comics Weekly number 629. That was on sale December 6, 1988. Comes with a cover of The Secret Six by Dick Rockwell. Story is called So Long Ago the Garden by Owsley and Bright. Inside, Captain Adam catches up with Randy Violent, who is currently in the basement of that crumbling building, already, already almost done building a new wooden shrine. Yeah, Randy says, Leave. Go. Scram. Captain Adam says, what? You talk? Well, good. Maybe we can reason together. And from there, Cap drones on. And on. <laughs> and, and on. Yeah. <laughs> Randy says, look, pal, I said beat it. And he backhands Cap with a sledgehammer. Ooh, that'll do it. Outside, do it. Hal is still holding up the joint, and a group of firefighters ask if, they, if he can buy them some time to do a final evac sweep. He goes... All right, just just hurry. Back inside, Cap and Randy are exchanging blows and some painfully dull banter. Uh, mm. Finally, mostly coming from Adam, I must say, but, you know, both of them pretty well. <laughs> finally, Adam's had enough and blasts Randy right through the gut with an atomic zack. This causes the building to buckle even more. Yeah, back topside, Hal thinks to himself, what on earth? Captain Adam has to be. I begged him not to go down there without me. Fireman's still inside. Can't drop the building. Adam's on his own. Turns out, Randy Violet still lives. Captain Adam can't believe it. And so, more quantum bolts are a-blasting, and more building is a-shaking. Hal's thinking, Captain Adam, you jerk! What the blazes is going on down there? Finally, Randy Violet collapses, and he says, Look, I don't mean to be rude, you know, but I'm so tired. Got to rest. Adam says, that's it. If I keep him from resting long enough, maybe he'll solve my problem for me. Hold tight, Randy. I'm going to hit you with everything I've got. Back outside, the firemen finally emerge from the building, and Hal is finally able to let it go, which it falls apart, and it does so with a crunch. Captain Adam gets up to check on Randy, and he's shocked that he's still stirring. Before he can get too close, though, he takes a blast in the back from an angry Hal Jordan. Yes, and Hal goes, all right, Adam, I'll approach this in a way even you'll understand. The only way you'll get that alien is over my dead body. 
That's a that's that, those are classic cliffhanger words. Really? Know, which, yeah. uh, <laughs> Very much so. Yeah. <laughs> jumps us right into Action Comics Weekly number six hundred thirty, December thirteenth, nineteen eighty eight. It's got a cover feature in Superman by John Severin. Story's called Will by Owsley and Bright, and get this: Hal and Captain Adam fight. Whoa! Captain Adam says, "Out of my way, GL." That. Thing is the deadliest threat this planet's ever seen. I mean, ever really? I, you know, yeah. is it, is it even the deadliest thing to show up during this issue of Action Comics Weekly? You know, not you, likely. Yeah. You did just have the Dominators come and like drop the gene bomb a few a, a year ago. Now it's gonna get real here. But Randy Violent, he, he trumps everything. He trumps it all. Yeah. <laughs> Hal replies with, "I'd say you're, I'd say you're far more deadly. You've got incredible power." But you use that power irresponsibly. <laughs> you sound like my old commanding officer, dude. <laughs> I wonder if his name is Ben Parker. Probably, right? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, while they fight and argue, Randy Violent climbs into the wreckage of his wooden shrine ship thing. Caption reads, The shrine has suffered heavy damage as a result of Captain Adam's attack. Resting in a less-than-perfect shrine is considered blasphemous by the visitor's culture. But... If it does not rest, it shall cease to exist. The visitor has learned the term death is the earth equivalent of such a state. And the visitor realizes that it doesn't want to die. And it's somehow able to observe the battle between Hal and Nate. I don't know what kind of technology. I don't know what that's uh, about. Yeah, it's almost almost God-level omnipotence. You know, just whenever he wants to, whenever he wants to. It sure is. Now, after some more fighting, Hal and Adam decide to just go all in and uh, do that thing where you just charge at the other guy. Of course. uh... It's the final final showdown. (laughs) That's it. And they they collide with a Wakoom. I've I've never seen a fight. Professional, otherwise, conclude with that. I just want to. I want you to know that. It's true, and it's a it's a shame. It's a it shame. should end that way. <laughs> now, when the dust finally settles, we can see that Captain Adam is the only man left standing. That's what I think of you, your ring, and the box of Lucky Charms that came in. No, that was cold, deadly. <laughs> you got that right. uh, now we rejoin Captain Adam in Los Angeles. He thinks to himself, "I'm bad." I'm real bad. I clean GL's clock. Lights out. I'm on a roll. Now to do the same to Randy Violent, a.k.a. the alien. It's like he's trying out for Youngblood, What's right? going on here? Yeah. <laughs> it's big. Silver. Uh, badass. Uh, bad. <laughs> Before uh, Captain Adam knows it, Randy Violent shows up. And he says, what's up, dude? And then with a fizzwack, Captain Adam is laid out. Fascinating planet you got here. Think I'll stay. Another young blood uh, uh, potential uh, candidate here. Uh, wild. Okay, we're gonna jump to the next issue. Action Comics Weekly number six thirty one, on sale December twentieth, nineteen eighty eight. It's got a cover of the Phantom Stranger by Jim Stalin. Story's called Detente by uh, Owsley and Bright. And we open in the Nevada desert, and it looks as though Hal has walked the entire way. What are you doing out here? Then the trash talk commences. Captain Adams says, I mean, after you lost our fight, I thought you'd be a sport about it and come help me trash that alien. I've spent hours looking for it with no help from you, and now I find you back here where I left you hours ago, sulking. And then Hal points to his ring. See this? It needs recharging every 24 hours. It's dead. After an awkward silence, the heroes decide to put their differences aside and shake. Adam carries Hal back to the building where he left his power battery. Uh, again, why did he have to leave it there in the first place? <laughs> you know, this is what led to this problem that we're dealing with right now. Uh, he looks like he can manifest it in a will, so it, if it doesn't fit the story, I guess suddenly he needs to put it on the building's roof for a little while, whatever. Yeah. And as it turns out, somebody of stole course, it. Of course, of oh, course. Boy. Uh, Hal prowls the area for about a half hour before locating the lantern in the window of a pawn shop. Upon entering the joint, a goon jams a gun in his face, and as luck would have it, at this moment, Captain Adam is busy chasing down the wooden shrine ship. Yeah, Hal thinks to himself, this can't be happening. The beard and goon says, you picked the wrong time to come snooping around here, dude. Yeah, some goon wearing 3D glasses goes, soon as the juice, soon as the juice went down, me and the boys decided it was good as time as any. And the energizer man goon says, to hit the diamond brokers. 
or or you know the pawn shops, yeah, right? Uh, whatever they, you know, but they different different parlances depending where you're from in the world. <laughs> the regional, yeah. Right. And uh, the the Energizer guy is a uh, Mark Jacko Jackson, an Aussie footballer who would say "oi" a lot in battery commercials around this time. He looks a lot like him. Yeah, you, you can't. Uh, I, if you saw those commercials, you really would know what we're talking about. It's absolutely very, ubiquitous, like beyond belief. <laughs> now at this point, Hal decides to play tough guy, and he tells the gang that he can wipe the floor with a lot of them. He even takes off his ring to show that he means business. He does, however, toss the ring over to the power battery. So uh, uh. A little bit of hedging the bets, but this is a very roadhouse movie he's doing here, I gotta say. Uh, Hal does manage to beat up one of the goons. Uh, Good thing the others kept it one-on-one also. That was very helpful. Never let it be said that Mark Jacko Jackson is without honor, mate. Oi! Uh, as uh, at this point, the baddies pull, all pull their guns and point them at Hal, and so now he oaths up, and the powered ring pops right back onto his finger. It's, all right, boys, your move. By the time Captain Adam returns, empty-handed, by the way, <laughs> Hal's already got the goons trapped in a construct garbage can. Captain Adam says, "Outer space is your territory, not mine." I'll take your can crooks downtown. You go handle the alien as you see fit. Thanks. I'm sure we'll meet again. And Captain Adam says, count on it. Green Lantern, good luck, dude. Thankfully, that is the last we will see of Captain Adam for really? this series. Uh, because it's <laughs> so bad. <laughs> I, I was never a huge fan. Never really understood the, the cachet of him. You know, it's like basically when you can't get Superman, we got Captain Adam. That's right, yeah, and uh, with that, Hal, thankfully, and I never say that I want Hal to go to space, but thankfully now he heads into space because yeah, Captain Adam won't be there. Get away from this dude, Fessig. <laughs> Captain Adam's like, nah, bro, come back, let's mouse some scarfy, you know, veggies, and, you know, whatever. Anyway. <laughs> uh, so, Captain, uh, sorry, Action Comics Weekly number 632, that went on sale December 27th, 1988, a couple of days after Christmas holiday. Uh, my, my eighth birthday. Look at that! You know, I'm sure you were How right there, that? right there. <laughs> this one after right. Uh, cover was Nightwing and Speedy by Tom Grindberg. This one is called Beyond Phobos by Owlsley and Bright. Now here, Hal is in space, hot on the trail of that wooden space shrine. He winds up following it right into a space warp. He come. Hal comes out the other end into complete darkness. He thinks to himself. I don't see the stars. I, I can't get a fix on my location. Where am I? Nuts. Suddenly, a universe appears before him, and he's definitely no longer in his space sector anymore. But the ring is acting normally, so take that for whatever that's worth. Fine. Yeah, that'll become clear pretty soon. Yeah. Uh, Hal uh, says aloud, the ring learns by my doing. If I've been here before, the ring would remember how to function here. Wherever here is... Who are you talking to, dude? There's no one around. You're literally in, alone in a brand new unit. Anyway, uh, it's, it, sometimes he thinks it, sometimes he says it. I so, don't know why. Sometimes they got they got to speak aloud. You got to make sure the old vo- voice box is still lubed up. You know. <laughs> yes, right. Uh, so Hal flies out towards a nearby planet, and it turns out this is the home of those blue-skinned aliens we met a while back during the peace summit. Yeah, Hal greets one by saying, "Excuse me, friend. I've uh, somehow gotten lost. Don't." I suppose you'd know where Earth is. It's in the Sol system, about 200 light years away from your home planet. Give or take a light week. <laughs> the blue guy says, I have no knowledge, my lord. All my life I have existed here on your master's base planet. Perhaps you should consult your master. It's like Thor would be shaking his head at how this guy talks. Really, right? forsooth, and, uh, my master. <laughs> now, Hal continues traversing the planet before coming across a steep mountainside. Now, into it is etched the Green Lantern emblem. What? Atop that mountain is a castle that Hal enters. Yes, he thinks to himself, great galaxies. This is unbelievable. A castle with obvious Earth influences on an alien world? Who would have... And a voice says, you arrive as brilliant light, rending darkness's opaque veil. As a whisper, silence shattering, as an archangel trumpeting the coming of the Lord. And we see a giant of a man sitting on a throne. He wears a green lantern powering on the middle finger of his left hand. His costume and mask are very much out of the golden age. 
This fella really looks like a mixture of like Alan Scott and Duke Nukem. He, he actually has an awesome look to him. I, I really like he his looks awesome. His Love costume it. is it, it, that's a great description and it's it's cool as hell. Uh, he says, "I am Lord Malvolio of the Green Flame." And finally, we find out. Yeesh. Finally, we get Malvolio. I know. Uh, Hal <laughs> greets him by saying, uh, "Hi, I'm Hal, uh, the GL of Sector Twenty Eight Fourteen. I don't suppose you'd know the way to Earth." And Malvolio just stares at him. No, I guess you don't. On Earth, I was I begotten just as were you. Oh, great! Another backwards talker here. Yeah, I'm not sure what uh, how... means, quite frankly. <laughs> I, I think it was like one of those uh, William S. Burroughs uh, sentences <laughs> cut go. up and thrown on a floor. <laughs> uh, Hal, Hal sees him and goes, "You're human. Why was a human being uh, been assigned to this remote sector?" Our homeworld lies behind, beyond the inky void, beyond darkness's veil, beyond Phobos. Hey, that's the name of this story. He said it. Oh, awesome. I, I love, love it that. when they I do that. <laughs> and with that, Malvolio walks away. He, he just it. leaves Hal alone We're in his done. throne room. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hal figures, hey, what am I going to do? So he heads back to that blue-skinned friend of his to get directions to Phobos. Before his buddy can tell him, however, he is struck down by a green light. It's Malvolio again. He says... How dare that insolent dolt betray me thus? Twas I who brought you to my realm, Hal Jordan, and I shall see to it that you never leave. Another classic cliffhanger. Of course, yeah. uh, Brings us right to Action Comics Weekly number 633. This is where we hit 1989. This hits shelves January 3rd. It's got a cover of Black Hawk by Kurt Swan. The story is called Apocalypse by Owsley and Bright. And we Open with Hal and Malvolio facing off. Effectively, it leaves off right from the end of the last one, where Malvolio yeah. saying, "You shall never leave." You jerk! What's wrong with you? He was—he was an innocent man. A usurper and betrayer, he was seeking my ruination and downfall. Well, right now, that's not so bad an idea. And so Hal whips up a construct bubble and ca- catches Malvolio in it. Uh, but old Malvolio shatters it with the quickness. Four centuries have I studied the green flame, Hal Jordan. The power is mine. The glory. He blasts Hal, which sends him flying to the point where he actually d- digs a trench out of the ground. You do disappoint me, Hal Jordan. And then Malvolio charges and Hal unleashes a massive energy blast. With a, well, how's this? Well, Hal, don't ask questions you don't want the answers to because Malvolio walks right through the blast like it was a lawn sprinkler. (laughs) And he says, there is a spark in you after all. And with that, Malvolio blasts Hal directly through the planet, like <laughs> like core and all. He came out the opposite end of this planet. I mean, he has, like, this makes me think, like, Malvolio has God-level powers, you know? It's like For Hal, sure. Hal is not even in the same, like, spectrum as, as uh, this guy. Exactly. Uh, Hal takes this opportunity to fly off again and regain his composure. He thinks to himself, what's a human being doing patrolling this space sector? How has Malvolio survived all these centuries? Why haven't I ever heard about him? Hal happens upon a golden space station, which he boards, and inside there's an assortment of aliens. And so it's our blues and yellows we met earlier. And they're gathered around a giant lantern power battery, and they're worshipping the thing. And yellow and blue makes a certain color. I can't remember which one. Uh, they spot <laughs> Hal and begin to begin to worship him as well, since he wears the sign. Now, before Hal can soak up too much of the adulation of the aliens, he is noinked into a room by a gray-haired man. Guy says, I am Wallace, squire to Lord Malvolio. You work for that madman? Oh, since the day he slew his own father and usurped the power of the greed flame, have I faithfully served my master. He was Earth's protector for a reason. And then did he leave to search the universe for causes to champion and battles to fight. For many years, we soared the cosmic winds to the universe's far corners. Then did we encounter the being known only as Priest. So, I am in Priest Sector. Lord Malvolio sensed your presence here some time ago, and has observed you ever since. 
Wonderful. What does he want? What he's always wanted. Great sport, great adventure, the friendship of a kindred spirit. Oh, he's just lonely. He wants to find someone to play with. That's all it is. Yeah. Simple. Can Hal come out and play? That's all. <laughs> uh, now, Hal tips his hat to Wallace for designing the space station with gold, which one would assume would protect them somewhat from a green lantern. Mm, not, well. <laughs> not, not that these guys seem all that scared of Malvolio or anything. They seem to worship him, right? No, they seem really into the guy, as a matter of fact. Yeah, and uh, Wallace even says, this station is not a defense against Lord Malvolio. It is a shrine to his honor. And with that, Malvolio's giant hand busts through the window and palms Hal's head like it were a basketball. And uh, so uh, his weakness ain't the color yellow. Clearly not the color yellow and not the problem <laughs> here, Hal. Uh, I wonder if that wooden shrine might have something to do with his weakness, though. What do you think? Hmm. Oh, well, he's got a Golden Age outfit, a wooden... I seem to recall something about the Sportsmaster and a baseball ball. <laughs> so, uh, Action Comics Weekly number 634. This came out January 10th. 1989. Coverage Green Lantern by George Freeman. Uh, this one's called Total War by Owlsley and Bright. Here Malvolio and Hal face off and Malvolio pontificates. Boy does he ever. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> first he threatens. Behold the face of fear, Hal Jordan. It shall be the very last thing your eyes do rest upon. Then he shares some of his own secret origin. Know you that long ago Priest and I did join in a savage combat. Priest lived to serve the blue-skinned elder god. To his eternal shame, Priest acted with great treachery and imprisoned me here within the starless void. Then he reveals his plan. I have summoned you here that you may serve me as heir apparent. You must renounce your ties with Priest, that we too may forge an alliance of the green flame and ultimately crush him. And then we bring it all back around by threatening again. It becomes clear you must learn through trial and pain. And Hal, uh, he's not—he's not quite sure how to take. Kind of went through every every uh, range of emotions in that speech there, didn't he? <laughs> because Malvolio, when he says this, he actually blows up the space station. <laughs> the golden space station is destroyed, and Hal thinks to himself, "He destroyed the station." My ring's not picking up any signs of life. He killed everyone on board simply because they gave me asylum here. Or because he felt like it. We don't know, really. That's what Malvolio does. It's, he does what he likes. You know, that's that's his way. Uh, <laughs> Malvolio approaches Hal just as he pulls himself up to his feet and sh shares some more of his origin. He says, The homeworld of my father. To earth came he in the 1612th year of our Lord, where he met and loved an earth woman. Hal continues to struggle. He's trying to stand up, but his knees prove to be a little too wobbly. The woman died in childbirth, and so I was raised up by my father, himself a keeper of the green flame. Then came the day when I saw the weakness in my father's eyes. Then did I slay him and assume his guise. Hal tries to walk away. However, Malvolio just palms his head like a ball again. Although he's like just walking away, figuring he won't. While Malvolio is like expounding, <laughs> he won't notice me just slinking off. Uh, Malvolio says, "Show me your back again, and I shall kill you." Hal lets loose with a blast of emerald energy. It isn't terribly effective, but it does manage to catch Malvolio off guard. You dare assault the Lord of? And then Hal blasts again, causing Malvolio to duck and cover. Hal approaches. You're crazy. Absolutely insane. I should feel sorry for you. Hal proceeds to beat Malvolio about the head and shoulders. Yes, every word here is uh, separated with a wham. <laughs> yep. He goes, but wham. I just wham. Don't wham. And Hal stops himself and goes to walk away. But uh, what did he just tell you about showing your back, Hal? Yeah, it's funny you mention that, huh? I warned you about showing your back, Jordan. Hal spins around just in time to have his ring shot clean off his finger by Malvolio's pistol's yellow beam. 
and it's destroyed. That's some fancy shooting text. Uh, you know, where'd you learn that? Where'd you learn that trick shot? <laughs> and uh, if that uh, that might be the best cliffhanger we have here, because it leads us to our ending. Uh, we've got Action Comics Weekly number six hundred thirty-five that hit shelves January seventeenth, nineteen eighty-nine. This one has two stories featuring Hal Jordan. The first of which is The Crash of 88 by Mark Verheiden and Eduardo Barreto. This is a special crossover, kind of ties in all the gang from Action Comics Weekly. Um, Hal does appear in it, but he's not really the star. Uh, since we'll invariably come back around to the other features of Action Comics Weekly, we're going to save the deeper dive for another time. Yeah, it's like um, not part of this story arc we're talking about right this second. It, yeah, it really pulls you out of the Malvolio uh, story, so we'll, we don't want to do that. Um, it is worth noting that in this story, Hal's wearing a different style of lantern ring. It looks, you know, like Hal has the one where it's like a circle with the right. emblem in it. Yeah. And then there's the one that's like just the emblem. Very weird. Like, like the Kyle Rayner one. I, I hate it when they do that. Like, I get why sometimes different artists draw it differently, but in the same issue. There, I mean, there, there, there is a standard, you know what I mean? It's not like, yeah, there it's, should not like be. it's not like it's unknown. They, they all do have <laughs> slightly different rings, at least in the uh, post-crisis continuity. Sure. Uh, whatever, but we'll we'll pin, put a pin in that, and we will continue and actually conclude the Malvolio story here with one titled "The End" by Owsley and Bright. Uh, we rejoin Hal as he's running down a long golden corridor. He thinks to himself, "Gotta move. My ring's been destroyed, and the deadliest menace I've ever faced is right behind me." So Hal gives us a friendly recap. Heaven help you if this is the first issue you're picking up. You'd be like, what the, what? Exactly. <laughs> Hal, Hal says, uh, the guy who brought me here is a 300-year-old madman. If I take him at his word, his father was a Green Lantern, originally from this sector. His father came to Earth and married an Earth woman, his mother. Uh, we have to assume he means Malvolio's mother, not this Man's mother, that would be weird. Yeah, it was worded wonky, but yes, we should have <laughs> right. assumed it's Malvolio, it's Momvolio. Right. Uh, now, <laughs> Hal continues, when he came of age, this lunatic killed his father and stole his father's power ring and identity. At some point, he came into conflict with Priest, my friend and sometimes mentor. They fought, and Priest imprisoned him within this zone, where he's been free to wreak havoc. And that about catches us up uh, pretty well. So, uh, but although it doesn't really explain why he's dressed like Alan Scott, but uh, I guess you're gonna have to go read the previous issues to find out if you were reading or listen to our podcast. We'll tell you. <laughs> so, uh, also, Malvolio has finally caught up with Hal. Hal dodges a blast of green energy and climbs into a garbage chute. Down below, he finds what appears to be Malvolio's arsenal: a whole grip of golden guns. And Hal thinks to himself, those weapons, at least they look like weapons, they're made of gold. Malvolio's ring won't be able to affect them. Uh, you sure about that? He did wreck a certain golden space station last issue, so... And, and he wields a golden gun himself sometimes. And, you know, have you not paid attention here, Hal? Pull yourself together. <laughs> now Hal straps up and he grabs a great big golden cannon. No sooner is he armed to the teeth than Malvolio appears. Jordan... Over here, my lord. Come and get it. Hal blasts a whole bunch of holes into the side of the space station. Every single one misses Malvolio. <laughs> the depressuring of the space station does cause Hal to nearly get sucked into space. That is, until Malvolio saves him by fixing all the wall with some emerald construct debris. And now, my unworthy successor, shall you pay the price for your insolence? Hal struggles to get to his feet. The only weapon he has left is a bow and single arrow. What laughable means do you employ against me, fool? Hal fires that single arrow right into Malvolio's chest, killing him. Whoa, that was easier, right? Uh, yeah, easier, easier, maybe a little too easy. Uh, Hal, thinks, <laughs> Hal thinks to himself, he's dead, the poor devil. Now I'm stranded. No ring and no idea how to get home. Unless... And next we see Hal, he is headed home, wearing Malvolio's ring. Yes, he continues thinking. Malvolio's power ring looks like my original one. And since he's traveled between here and Earth, the ring's already programmed for my return flight. I've got to get back on track. Find that alien shrine. Oh, right, right. I forgot that, that thing. Right, I totally forgot <laughs> <Right>. about it. <laughs> now, we, we end up back at the space station, and Malvolio 
plucks the arrow out of his chest and just stands up. Or the, that was just a sleepy time arrow from Green yeah. Arrow's uh, quiver. <laughs> Malvolio says, gone. Excellent. Everything is gone according to my plan. Hal Jordan, confident of mine, eternal enemy priest, now sails through the cosmos wearing my power ring. And soon shall the day come that he shall serve me in my war against both priest and the blue-skinned elder god that he serves. Yeah, about all that. We, uh, this is this is this your last appearance, pal. We pretty much never <laughs> never really addressed this uh, age-old beef you got here, but, but I'm sorry. <laughs> now, the issue ends with uh with some news, and that news reads. Look out for GL in his own monthly title, debuting in time to celebrate GL's 30th anniversary. Mm-hmm. That would go on to be G Green Lantern Volume 3. Yeah. Uh, but uh, that, that'll do it for this spur of Action Comics Weekly. But uh, we don't want to leave right away. We want to talk a little bit about... Malvolio, how did we how do we say that? Malvolio, 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 come on, Malvolio. <laughs> the Malvolio originated in Twelfth Night. Twelfth Night, or what you will, is a Shakespearean comedy that dates back to 1601 or 1602. Neither of us are Shakespearean, so <laughs> right. we're we're really at a disadvantage here. Yeah. Uh, now this is usually performed on the. Twelfth Night After Christmas, which closes out the holiday season every year. It's January 5th. Uh, This was celebrated in medieval and Tudor England. In it, the character Malvolio is portrayed as the main antagonist. He's portrayed as a delusional puritanical steward steward who is uh, humiliated over and over again. He believes himself to be the better of uh, better than he is perceived. However, he himself is consumed by all of his failures. So, uh, a lot of a uh, a lot of internal uh, yeah. strife. In Sim- his similar to what we're getting, uh, what we got here with Malvolio. Not everything, but maybe there was more more plans to show him as more of a bumbler or something uh, yeah. in his next appearance. I, I did notice that uh, he he did he was born in in the early 1600s, right? And it, it was actually the twelfth year. Of right, the right. 1600. So maybe that's a tie into 12th. Night. I mean, there's, you know, obviously Owsley is making a connection to to uh, Shakespeare's yeah. Twelfth Night, but it, it's not. It doesn't look like a one-one connection. But no, no. Uh, there's not. definitely some elements to, uh, that they both share. And now talk a little bit. And you know, we're going to talk a lot more about the legacy of this whole thing when we wrap up our Action Comics Weekly thing, which I think will be next week, most likely. Yeah. But uh, for this particular story, around the time it looked like Hal lost his marbles, which would be coming up in the reign of the Superman thing, mm-hmm. right? The post-death uh, of Superman thing. Uh, that is Emerald Twilight, which we discussed way back in Cosmic Treadmill, episode number five, available in the archives. One of the fan theories bandied about was that Hal might have been driven that crazy by Malvolio's ring, which he was wearing. Uh, which might have been more fun than we actually wound up getting, but I think it, I think it's a, a contributing thing for fans to think about. That's all. Sure, and it, it would have made sense too. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> instead, of, instead of the giant yellow fear bug. Uh, now it's also worth noting that you know Hal turned bad. He stomped on his ring in Green Lantern Volume Three, Number Fifty. That was March 1994 cover date. The Guardian of the Universe Ganthet reforged it into the ring that Kyle Rayner would wear for like. Almost his entire tenure as a Green Lantern. Right. Uh, During the story Green Lantern Circle of Fire, Kyle Rayner would unwittingly create the supervillain Oblivion. Now, this was basically a drawing that he'd made as a child uh, that came to life. It was a manifestation of his anger and frustration, which was ultimately born out of his rage for the murder and fridging of his girlfriend, Alex. And that happened in Green Lantern Volume 3, number 54, August 1994, cover date. And fans at the time speculated that Malvolio's ring might have had something to do with that as well. So a lot of a lot of fun theories that uh, never really panned out. Yeah. Um, and uh, while we're talking about Oblivion, uh, Oblivion and Malvolio both had the same number of appearances in DC Comics. That uh, was four apiece, which yeah. is kind I mean, of a shame. To me, Oblivion is definitely a uh, stand-in to, you know, cause the heartbreak that would cause Kyle Rayner to take his Green Lantern seriously. So, hmm. uh, But Malvolio, it appears to me there, there was a plan to have a really much more full story there. That uh, I, I think could have been really interesting. You know, I've always liked the, so. I've always loved the fact that Alan Scott and the Green Lantern Corps are, you know, linked but not 
they're not in the same world. The green flame is a magic flame, whereas yeah. you know the Green Lantern core, the the Lantern battery is a scientific uh, energy manifestation. Or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So you know they they're able to work. They, they they matter of fact, more into the late '90s, they kind of dealt with the differences between them. But this would have been a great kind of like meeting of the two things. Oh you know yeah. I mean, uh, if if we had developed the story and maybe more if we could have gone down the line and said, oh, yes, there was a a Green Flame Green Lantern Corps also. We called it the Green Lantern Brigade or whatever, you know. Uh, <laughs> yep. Uh, but whatever, that never happened. And I'm going to tell you something, folks, it never will happen. But next week, we are going to finish up our uh, look at Action Comics Weekly, uh, concentrating on the Green Lantern stories when we read issues number 636 to 642, plus Green Lantern Special number two and... Green Lantern Superman colon Legend of the Green Flame, which actually sort of wraps up the whole thing. It kind of deals with what mm. I was talking about here yeah. just now. Uh, <laughs> so, and we'll also be talking about sort of like, you know, uh, fallout of uh, the weekly and the other stuff. Yeah. yeah, we'll have other things to say about it. But uh, if you have things to say to us about it, or if you want to tell us what are the real rules to Malvolio on the street, or if you want to uh, talk to us about anything Green Lantern or Action Comics related, you write to us at weirdcomicshistory at gmail.com. Also, we do have a Patreon. It's at patreon.com slash Chris and Reggie. We have three uh, exclusive shows a month, and uh, that's pretty much the exclusivity of it all. But if you like what we do, <laughs> Uh, please go over there, check it out, consider chipping in a couple of bucks. Yes, I, and I remember when we were doing the Age of Apocalypse, we we also we had a Shakespeare question there, and our our buddy Tom Panarese right. helped us out. Yeah, help, <laughs> so... help us out, Tom. If you could tell us a little, <laughs> little bit more about Twelfth Night, that would be a big help. Absolutely. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Cosmic T-Mill History. We're also on Instagram at Cosmic T-Mill. And it's the same thing on Twitter at Cosmic T-Mill. I'm on Twitter at Reggie Reggie. I'm at Ace Comics. You can check out our reviews of newer DC Comics and some of the classics over at weirdsciencedccomics.com. You can also find us on their weekly uh, podcast as well, talking, uh, you talk a bunch of stuff, but I talk Sandman Universe and some Titan stuff. Yeah, you talk that Grad Swell Raven book. Uh, I think you're the only person on Earth talking about that book, so <laughs> if, you want, if you want to hear about it, you got to go check out that podcast. There you go. But if you want to see Chris's personal writings, uh, he reviews a different DC comic every single day of the week. Go to chrisoninfiniteearths.com where he's doing the good work. He has uh, panels, he has a discussion, commentary, and then ads at the end. It's the next best thing to reading the comic. Thank you. We also have our show site, weirdcomicshistory.blogspot.com, where you'll be able to find our show notes, all of our links, all of our images, all the places you can find us uh, on your mobile devices, as well as a chronological listing of all of our programs. Uh, every show we have, uh, every non-Patreon show we have, is uh, is there in order, ready to uh, ready to be downloaded, listened, and loved. Yeah, that is definitely the place to go, aside from Podbean, is, is not a great place to find our chronological shows, but while you're over there yeah. at weirdcomicshistory.blogspot.com, maybe take a click on the banner for 80stees.com. We've affiliated with them for the holiday season, and uh, if you go over there, you, just, you like what you see, you want to grab some t-shirts and other things for your friends and family, then uh, you'll be doing us a favor if you visit through that banner. That would be uh, a big help to us over here at the uh, Cosmic mm-hmm. Treadmill. But I think that's all we got from this week, Chris. Got anything else for him? No, I think that'll do it. Well, until next time, folks, I want you to keep it on the treadmill weekly. See ya. You may be older, but I am wiser. I am the honest one, and you are a liar. I can't be bothered. Now I'm going to tell my father. They never follow the rules. Older siblings give me the blues. My older sister glued my hand to the wall, and now I'm...